Chris Hahn here on the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. We don't just talk about progressive politics. We tell you how to win because that's what being an aggressive progressive is. Check us out every Tuesday. New episodes on Pandora, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't miss a week. The Aggressive Progressive Podcast with Chris Hahn. You are now listening to Bigfoot and Beyond, featuring the OG bad boys of Bigfoot, the Dr. Heckle and Mr. Jive of Squatchology, the Chip and Dale of Bigfoot, and I'm not talking about the cartoon. Please welcome your hosts, the Bigfoot celebrity couple, Biff Clobo, better known as Cliff Berrickman and James Bobo Fay. You've heard my story a million times. I'm sure everyone listening has heard it too. My first sighting. I had that setting back in 2001. What happened was I left my night scope in town, and my good buddy was going surfing up north. And so I called him, and he actually picked it up and brought it up and dropped it off. And while he was there, uh, we he went with me up on the hillside. And when I saw the Sasquatch, he was there. there we passed the night scope back and forth. But he could never, he couldn't go public before because he was uh, just graduated with a nursing degree. And he was looking for jobs and, you know, he didn't want that stigma on his, on his, you know, resume saying, this guy doesn't sound big, but so he kept it on the radar, but now he said he'll come forward and tell his side of the story. And so we have EH on the phone with us tonight, Eric. Eric. Hi, uh, Eric. Are, are you there? Yes. Hi. Hi, Cliff. Hi, oh, Bobo. Fan- fantastic. So we'll consider this a fact-checking episode with Bobo, because I've heard this story so many times. It'll be nice to get another uh, perspective on it. You know, it was a powerful, powerful event in my life, for sure. Well, um, uh, I'll tell you what. uh, We've heard Bobo's version. In fact, I think that we've heard it on the podcast, Bobo. Am I correct? Yes. I think we did, right? So let's, since um, that's available in a previous episode, why Mm -hmm. don't we start from the beginning of Eric's story. Like, what were you doing when Bobo gave you the emergency call, and then how did you react? Fill us in on your perspective of this whole thing. This so all this. I know I've talked to Bobo in the past year, and and I know that our accounts vary slightly, but um, but overall the story is basically the same. I was um, actually in my house in Arcata cooking some abalone up, and I get a call from Bobo saying that. There is some extra room on the research team. Would I be interested in coming up to spend the night? And I, of course, I jumped at the chance. And um, I don't remember being a night scope. I think the night scope was already there, Bobo. For my, my, my I picked it up. Okay, I, I, I don't, I don't refute that too much because my memory, you know, is maybe not, maybe too, not too exacting. But so I drove up to. Can I name the site where we, where we went to, Bobo? Sure. It was up on the Johnson's Road, up in the Klamath River Basin, and um, it was, I know the Johnson Road very well. It was off, actually, off to the left, off, went to get up on top of the ridge, and it was early evening. Uh, Sheriff John was there, Manny was there, and Bobo. When I pulled up, uh, Manny was starting to broadcast Bigfoot calls. We were actually in the, on, a, on a logging road in a clear cut. Um, it was a not the biggest clear cut, but it was a good size one, probably, you know, probably a hundred yards by a hundred yards. 
and the the uh, the road kind of cut towards the bottom of it. Manny started to broadcast some some calls on a a, like a speaker system that he had, which was absolutely terrifying because you know Bob and I Bob and I climbed up to the top of the clear cut. We had uh, his night vision. We had a walkie talkie with with John, and Bobo also had a a good sized gun. A, a, a some kind of revolver in his back pockets. I remember being up on top of this clear cut, looking down at those guys, they were broadcasting the signals or the, the calls. And um, I think Sheriff John was having a, a radio discussion with Art Bell, if I'm not mistaken. It was Jeff um, Rance. Jeff Rance, excuse me. Thank you. Um, and Manny would broadcast these calls out and we'd sit and let it be quiet for a little bit. And um, we were, it was, um, we had these night goggles that were not that good. And we were on the first, the eastern side of the coastal ridge. So we had a lot of fog, a lot of clouds coming over the top of the ridge. And it was obscuring our, our moonlight a lot. So a lot of times when Boba was looking, um, you really couldn't see all that much. So it kind of hampered some of that. But um, at one point in time, John was on the phone with Jeff, and he started hearing some commotion down below the car. Um, and that's when he, he started, he told Bobo, he's like, do you guys see anything? And Bobo's like, no, we don't see anything yet. And he kept doing the interview with Jeff, and he kept interrupting, saying, no, there's something down here, and it's really, really big. It's moving stuff. Um, at one point in time, Bobo happened to see something. Um, John was getting really quite anxious from what I remember. He was kind of acting, he was, he was fearful. It was something big was down there. Um, Bobo handed the goggles to me. I couldn't see much. And then I did see some movement. Um, it was doing kind of this funny kind of dance, if I recall correctly. Um, but it was right around that time when this, what we saw made these three guttural noises that were extremely powerful. It's very guttural, very, very deep in, in its tone. And what struck me so powerfully was that we were about 120 yards away from what we saw, what, what this creature was doing. But Bobo and I both felt the vibration off of this gut, after off, off of this grunting. It was like ooh, ooh, ooh. it was really fast in succession, and it was extremely deep. And we felt the vibration off, and we both went, "Whoa!" We started like you know yelling expletives <laughs> and whatnot, and 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 it was at that time that the thing we don't know, but we didn't have any more sightings from it. We stayed up there a couple more hours broadcasting more calls and nothing came of it. So Bobo and I came back down to the, the cars. We shared our experiences. We slept there that night, really saw nothing else. The next morning we went down and did some investigating to where we think we saw it. We did, there was one landmark that we noticed was kind of a, a tree snag that was at the at the base of the clear cut that we we, we kind of the, the the creature that i saw was about as tall as the as the snag and the snag was at least 
probably 10 or 12 feet tall. It was, it was huge. Um, we didn't see any footprints around there, which was odd, but that was pretty much how I remember it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. be, before this, before this event, did you, I mean, you lived in Humboldt, you probably thought about Sasquatches occasionally. Like what was your take on the whole subject at that point? Oh, I've, 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 I mean, we all knew Bobo was a big, a big advocate and a, and a big enthusiast. And I've actually spent some time in the Humboldt State Library over, like, you know, some of those lousy cold weekends and sat in there and read a bunch of stories. Yeah. I had a friend visiting, and we spent a good three or four days one time just looking through all the different stories of Bigfoot. And, you know, it was really eye-opening hearing more of the accounts from local, you know, politicians, local respected ranchmen. Um. I also had a degree in religious studies at the time, and I did a lot of studying with uh, a lot of the Native American medicine men and, and women. And I would often ask them about Sasquatch, and, and they would all answer to the affirmative, like, yes, this is very true. They, they totally exist. And then I started asking people just around town, people that I would meet, like at the local pool, and, and ask them about their, if they'd ever seen Sasquatch. And some people came out and said yes. and and one of the more riveting stories was about a, a rancher who he does mule trains up in the Trinities and Marble Mountains. And he told me a really powerful story. Anyways, that's my that's my experience. Yeah, they're so they're definitely on your radar. Um, yes. And so when you actually laid eyes on it, um, now I've spoken to a lot of witnesses, obviously, over the years. And um, one of the common themes is that while they were looking at it, it was more of a processing thing. Like, what the heck am I looking at? Um, when you saw this, did you have to go through that um, mental gymnastics as well, or was it immediate and obvious for you? You know, Cliff, what I saw, I cannot say for sure. I mean, it was, again, the night vision goggles we had were poor. Yep. The, the the light, the moon was maybe a, like a maybe a little more than a quarter moon, so it wasn't the best conditions. And, and then the, the intermittent cloud cover was really obscuring our vision. What I saw was movement for sure. Um, but what really struck me, and I'll never forget, was the sound. I yeah. heard, I've heard mountain lion, I've heard bear, I've heard howler monkeys. There was nothing I've ever heard that was like this. And that's something I, I come, I come away with. as like this was, it that was real. Oh yeah, and and the size of the thing, of course, and yeah, you said you mentioned now you mentioned um something that Bo, I, I know Bobo's side of it, but you mentioned the little dance it was doing. No one else saw this but me, and I I I in the morning time we woke up, we got out of the trucks, and we're talking, and we looking around, and I, and I told them at that at that point I said, and the thing was doing this kind of dance. It was like almost like hopping from one foot to the other, and like his shoulders were going back and forth, up and down, kind of with the steps. And uh-huh. both, I mean, all the team members, John, Manny, and Bobo, all just went, whoa, that's like no behavior. And and it and it, it didn't make sense. Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, Eric, I saw part of it, but it was definitely was more cloudy because it was between quarter, third of a moon. And there, there would be breaks between the clouds where we could see real well. And it's true. I would. Uh, I was being a little selfish inside of the moon when looking forever. I was like, "This is my first thing." I'd grab the thing back from Eric. 
Uh, <laughs> it was actually they weren't goggles. It was actually a scope. It was a Ukrainian it scope. Was a scope. I don't know if you saw it. It went back and forth, but it would go between the snag and there was that other stump. Remember where the stump came to its chest area? Uh huh. And it was it would walk back and forth between the stump and the and the tree snag. At the time, I was terrified. You know, mm. I was sitting next to Bubba, who you know is a solid dude. He's he's had some martial arts experience. He's a strong, agile guy. He's a Jedi seen, too. I don't know if you've ever seen Bubba surf triple overhead surf, but the guy rips. I mean, he he surfs, but he's I mean, at least he used to surf big radical surf, and he would just tear it. And he had a gun in his back pocket. And even with all those things at my side, I'm like, this is nuts. We're just going to, we're just, <laughs> we're just, what are we doing out here? What was the exact date again, by the way? May 26, 2001. May 26, cool. 2001. Nice. I don't think I've ever included this part of the story, but I, back then I used to sleep on the ground outside. Yeah. And, uh, I, I, I made Eric let me sleep in the back of his truck, in the back of this little Toyota. I scooped in the shell with him and slept next to him all night. <laughs> Safety in numbers. Yeah. Or, well, actually, that's complete nonsense. It's actually just perceived safety in numbers because, you know, <laughs> what yeah. would two or four of you even do against something like this? No, I remember, I mean, John, he had a gun and it was in the car. No, it was in the, it was in the trunk and he was really getting animated going oh no and bubba's like well where's your gun john he's like it's in the trunk and it was it was like it's feeling a dread just like oh no dude but what's that gonna do for you you know it's so funny is that um i i remember back at that time when this popped up on the internet and i didn't know bubba uh -huh. um well uh -huh. all I, re I knew i knew about john freitas um, and that's it. Uh -huh. I, I don't even, I mean, I'm not sure Bobo was on my radar beyond just some random name I might've run across at that point. And I remember mm -hmm. clicking on this and listening to the, um, to the broadcast on the, what is it? Jeff Rents. Is that what you said? Uh, yeah, I remember listening to the recording. It wasn't that same night. It was not that same night, but it was like a couple, a week or two or three afterwards, you know, not that long afterwards. And I just remembering, right. Sure, there's something in the bush. He happens to be on, you know, the radio program. Exactly. But but there's all this um, supporting evidence for it now. And it's so funny to look back on that and mm -hmm. think how uh, not only like, oh, yeah, that was real going on, but it ended up being, you know, like one of, like Bobo's like pretty much one of my best friends ever. So like his first sighting and, you know, who would have thought in 2020 would be talking about that event that I listened to and kind of thought, no, that's bull crap, you know, at the time. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty cool. That's great, Cliff. We were on the radio. We were on the radio with John when he wasn't on the. He had a bag, the old bag cell phone, you know, like in the the old 1990s style bag phone. He had one of those, and so when he was when they were on a commercial break from the sightings radio show, we talked to John, and he's like, "What? Is, it's growling and stomping the ground. Can you see it now?" We were like, "Yeah," but we we were too afraid to say it was like because we're like, "There's like he had like seven million listeners." And we're like, yeah, right. No one's going to believe this. This is such, like, how can it be that we're on a live radio show and we see my first Bigfoot? And so we, we were too, because we couldn't see it that well. Like, the detail was, it was, you know, it, was, it wasn't a good scope, but you could see enough to see that it was up on two legs. It was bipedal. 
And when totally. it went between the tree, when it went between the tree and the stump, it never dropped to all fours ever. And I mean, you couldn't see any detail other than like when it raised its arms a little bit. Like I couldn't make out individual legs or anything. Um, I just look like a like I remember at the time I said it looked like a shit brick house with a coconut on top. It was like yeah. this big, <laughs> big blocky shape. Um, and it never, it never dropped. It just always stayed up and it made those loud three grunt growl things that were just so deep and loud, which matched what I'd heard five days earlier when I had the living daylight scared out of me when I had that first encounter. Uh-huh. Hey, you know, uh, I had the exact date and I took the liberty of looking up the moon phase uh, because for anybody out there listening or whatever, when you're talking to a witness and they say some detail like that, whether it's weather, oh, the weather's a little less predictable, but and moon phase, it's always good just to double check it to see, uh, well, for some people it'd be like if they're lying, but I know you guys aren't lying, but it's also to see how well the memory serves. And for whatever it's worth on May 26, 2001, it was a 15% moon. So, uh, so it's almost a quarter. The next night actually was a quarter. Okay. So, um, it's just whatever that's worth. So, uh, the 27th was 24% and the 26th was at 15%. So you guys are right. There was some moon up, but not that much. And it had to be real dark, man. Holy smokes. Cause, uh, it would have, uh, I don't know if it would have been rising or setting about that time, but, uh, you know, at that, whenever you were, but nonetheless, it was really, really low clouds, like almost like fog. It was just above our heads. And yeah, that coastal sort of stuff. Y'all get down there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When, that, the gaps, when the gaps came, there was definitely enough moonlight to see this thing. I mean, yeah. He does this. It was more that you could tell. It was more that we could rule out certain things. Like we, we could rule out elk, bear, person. Cause yeah. Because of how huge it was. And then when we went the next morning and saw that. It was, you know, nine, ten feet tall, like close, you know, around ten feet tall. Yeah. Um, it was. It was. That's when we just went. Oh my god. Now, if it's a ten foot, or even if it's a giant eight and a half footer, that's a massive thing, or whatever, some big ass Sasquatch, basically, um, um, up on the hill. Uh, that is almost certainly a big male. I think. It, I think it's pretty safe to say that's probably not a female. It's probably in the the bigger of the two as far as far as sexual dimorphism in the species goes. Um, do either of you have any uh, recollection of somebody telling you a story of that or probably that Sasquatch on in the Bald Hills area? Oh yeah, like, has, I, has that one been seen around before? Basically, yes. I bubble would know more than I for sure. This guy Kenny Graves, this time I had the Graves Ranch. It was like a I think a 1,500-acre ranch up there, just um, a mile past Johnson Road on Bald Hills Road. Mm. And he saw one when he was on horseback down in that, uh, just south of where we saw, really close to where I had my first encounter five nights earlier. But it, um, he saw it from horseback, and it walked by a bunch of landmarks. He was able to judge it. He said he was looking at it like eye level on, on his horseback, and it was downhill a little bit from him, he said, but from where it walked, he was he got a very accurate measurement of nine foot six. Yeah, because a, a big one like that, there there wouldn't be three or four big ones like that. I don't think, at least in the current model of you know Sasquatch social behavior that I'm working with, that's probably the biggest one in the neighborhood. And he probably has a couple you know chicas around somewhere that he visits and hangs out with for booty calls. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and, and um, 
so yeah, I imagine that one would have been seen a fair amount. He probably that one probably is responsible for, you know, a decent percentage of the local sightings, I would guess. But um, but maybe not. I don't know. Well, Bobby, you told me what what alerted you and John was that uh, a, a native woman up in the up on the ridge was having this Sasquatch come into her yard a lot, and she called up you guys, and you guys went to that site. Was that was that is that correct? Yeah, she was driving by. She was going okay. down, a little down at the end, and um, she saw a smaller one. Okay. Was a rolled up piece of um, cardboard, and then a like a bright blue uh, sweater was dragging, both of them, one in each hand, just dragging them along the ground as she walked across that exact spot. And I, and due to the bad cell phone coverage, when I talked to John, I couldn't hear him very well. I thought he said it happened that day, but he told me it happened that day uh, exactly a year before. I thought it was that day, so I jammed up there, and that's how I had the first encounter. And then I um, went back the next night after my, on the 21st, I had my first encounter. 22nd, I went back. 22nd, 23rd, I went back over myself. Nothing happened. And then the 26th is when we went out and Eric joined us. Mm. That time of year obviously produces. Uh, they're up there on Bald Hills. That time of year, at some you know somewhere, roaming around doing their thing, whatever that is. And, hmm. and I think that's a good strategy. You know, going to a place, uh, going to the exact place, or you know, within a mile or two of where a sighting happens on the same date is a good a strategy as any. I think for uh, yeah. getting close to a Bigfoot, they're clearly in Definitely. the neighborhood for some sort of resource. So it's even more than a season, you know, an exact day. I mean, they don't, mm-hmm. they, they don't take, they don't keep calendars or anything like that, but they, they would be probably looking for the same resources year after year in the same areas, I would guess. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would think so. Oh my gosh. My, my wife just brought in a thing at Ben and Jerry's ice cream to me. Hi, sweetie. Oh. I, Hi. I love you more than ever now. Ah. <laughs> 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 uh. Well, I guess, uh, yeah, Eric, I know you, you had a, uh, you got a busy night tonight, so you can it's all good. No, I've really enjoyed this. I, and just to clear the record, I, I never been reluctant to tell the story in public, regardless of my profession. It's just, um, I, mean, I tell people all the time, my story, if they want to hear it, but, um, I've never been asked. So it's, I'm a, that's my pleasure. I'm excited, well, man. I've been waiting for years to hear your side of it. You know, because, right on, Cliff. Well, I, I really have, uh, um, because I've I've heard the story a lot. You know, I've heard Bobo tell it because I'm with Bobo often, and people ask, "Hey, mm-hmm. tell me about your sighting," and he often tells the story. But I've always known there was another witness there, and it 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 always was un, not unsettling to me. But um, there was a part of me that said, "Man, I really got to hear this," because again, as a Bigfoot researcher, if there's more than one witness at a place, you want to talk to them. You and just for uh, sure. Yeah, because uh, and it's not like I don't trust Bobo at all, because I've been around Bobo long enough that even his most outrageous stories are based around his perception of actually what happened. So he's not a liar by any means. But um, at anybody, anybody, you would want to subject their version of the story to the person who was with them at the time. So mm-hmm. speaking to you has yeah. been a great, great pleasure to corroborate um, all of the details that Bobo has talked about over the years and said, yeah, man. It awesome. really happened, and it happened pretty much exactly the way he said it. So totally. that's fantastic. Yeah, Bobo had the night scope much longer than I did. So um, 
I kept wanting to, to get it, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to ask him for it. And then he handed it to me, and I was like, oh, I don't really see anything. And then it, it kind of the, the I think the clouds opened up, and I got some light, and that's when I was able to see it. Um, uh, a but, gift from so above. Thank you, Bubbo. Thank you, Bubbo. I appreciate <laughs> you handing that off to me. Thank you, Bubbo, for making the clouds part for your friend. <laughs> well, I don't. Well, Eric, I don't know if you know, but he's been blamed to uh, have been to have created floods before, floods and monsoons. So the clouds that, part, it seems like a small trick for this guy. That's just to explain his pants. You know, I don't know what he has to you know. <laughs> right. I still am a little flooded. Yeah, you know, that's the way to do it. If I'm humble, you got to do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, H, thanks a lot for coming on tonight, brother. We appreciate it. Hey, it's my pleasure. Cliff, it's nice talking to you. And, uh, nice talking you know, to you, man. Is, uh, and Bubba, you're always welcome down here, man. Give us a call. Sweet. Thank you. All right, guys. All right. Happy I'll get Wow. So I've, I've been waiting a long time to talk to Eric and I'm so glad you had him on. That, that was great to finally, and again, not, not that I don't believe you, man, but you know, if you're, there's two people there, there's two perceptions. So it was nice to have him corroborate all the stuff that you've said over the years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, of course it's always good to have a witness. Yeah. He would tell the story in public, but, um, when I was doing a few TV shows back when they were like, Hey, get that guy. I'm like, Oh man, he's just still, you know, he was looking for nursing jobs and, he, he he didn't want to go like on TV, you know, doing it. But he uh, he actually he works at a pediatrics down at a major hospital, and he would tell the kids that he said that when Finding Bigfoot was on, some of the kids would be watching and say, "Hey, I was with Bo when he had his first study." And they'd, they'd flip out, go, "No way!" And so yeah, so he told the story, but just never like in any kind of a media. Yeah, no public sense, I guess, like in that sort of way, like yeah. a big public sense. Right. Well, that that is really really cool, man. We should get uh, John Freitas on sometime and talk about it with him too. You know, from talking to Eric and John and, and my own memories, it's it's really interesting to see how memories change and vary, and perceptions and um, over time how people's recollections can shift. Like where you think, no way do I I remember it all exactly perfect. And then you realize your memory can change over the years. Yeah, they've done studies uh, to show that the memory actually conforms to the story that one tells. It's kind of like, uh, I don't know, it's like gravy through mashed potatoes, you know? The first time you pour it, it finds its way down. But after that, the, the rivers are are there, you know? So the, the gravy goes down the same lines. There's got to be a better metaphor, but you hear what I'm saying, man. Um, yeah. The more times you tell it, the more the more your memory grabs onto that. So we kind of settle into our memories over time, which is, you know, good for remembering them and bad for those you're trying to tell because memory can change. Right. Like Eric thought it was goggles, you know, but I, I know for sure it was scope because I used it for like a year. Sure. Sure. Maybe that's 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 just it doesn't change the veracity of the story. It's just a example of how um, details can like the. Well, that's what uh, the studies also show on memory. Like the main things will stay the same, but like detailed things like scope or binocular or, or binocular. Or, yeah, you know it, what I mean, it also shows the, um, in my opinion, it shows the the, the lack of dependability with uh, with the eyewitness reports of Sasquatch sightings. 
um, frankly. Right. And, and because, I, you know, me and my soapbox, right. I'm always complaining about something. And my, this past year it was like, yeah, leave the stories behind. And this is partly why. Uh, the stories are great. They're so, but don't take them as gospel. Don't take the, you know, nobody. Fundamentalism is hard to deal with on any level, right? Um, and Bigfoot fundamentalism is tough too. I've seen researchers toss out perfectly good reports because some minor detail didn't match up to what they thought or that what their expectation was, or said like said goggles and then said scope later would be one of these little tidbit examples. And I've seen, I've seen. Solid investigators toss out the entire report about small indis- uh, discrepancies like that. So it's a shame. Right. It's a shame. I think yeah, a lot of a lot of good ba- uh, a lot of good babies were thrown out with the bathwater over the years. Yeah, like Joe Bielard, I made my report to him because I wasn't in the BFR or anything back then. Um, he took my report and wrote it down as I spoke to him, and he gave me a copy of it a couple of years ago when we were up on one of your expeditions. When Joe was there, he goes, hey, I, I found this going through my files. You know, I was like 15 years old, whatever. And I looked through it, and I'm like, you know, my story, I, I thought my story hadn't changed one bit. I mean, it was minor, but there was a couple of things in there that I had said that was different, you know, that when I told the story as of now. Well, that's why it's good to have friends who were there. I, I guess that's another good reason to not go Bigfooting alone, so you can verify the story later. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I was being kind of a dick that night because I was definitely Bogart in the scope. I was, you know, like, <laughs> at the age, you know, because like, I was so just, you know, when you've been looking for something for years and years and years and years, it's right there. You're like, you can get a little, uh, a little selfish. Well, the fact that you gave him to it all, it was very big of you. I, I had to, because he, he actually brought it up and, he had uh, brought that uh, abalone up there, and I think we think that's it was because when we went to the truck, it was, we were wondering if that's why I went to the truck because it was maybe going to try to grab that or something because it was on top of the cab of the truck. Oh, so the actual meat of the abalone, right? Not the shell. Yeah, the, the oh. meat. Yeah. It was very, very fragrant. So when's the last time you heard about that specific Bigfoot up there? You know, um, I haven't heard about it for a long time. I mean, people have said they've seen them around up there, but I haven't heard anyone say like a giant one like that. And who probably I think the last one I heard was maybe two years after that. Okay. What about before then? Like how long were you hearing about that one before then? I wasn't. I was hearing about the old one that was limping, that was all haggard and gray and balding and emaciated, patchy hair, looked like it was about to die. I heard about the uh, female one, you know, maybe a seven foot or something like that. Six, you know, six, six, eight, seven foot, somewhere around there. And um, I've heard a lot of stories about people having scary sounds and hearing roars and screams and growls, but not actual uh, visuals on that big guy. Mm. You know, it's, it's one time when we were up there and I couldn't, I couldn't tell you the year, although I might take a guess at 2007 or something, maybe 2008. You and I came down from Bluff Creek where we were Bigfooting. Um, it's just one of those years. Like you and I were out together for a week or two or something like that. And um, we went to that little, that that gas station in um, in Orleans, you know, the, the garage connected to it. 
Yeah, yeah, and yep. there was there was a I think it was a Yurok guy, might have been Karuk though, a young gentleman working there, and um, we started talking about Bigfoot with him, some native guy anyway, and he told he told us straight out, he goes, "Hey, I um, I know where that big one up on Bald Hills lives," and then he started saying, "Yeah, it lives in the top of this big redwood tree or something like that on private land somewhere." But I thought it was so interesting because I had heard your story by then, and he goes, "Oh yeah, I know where that one big one." on bald hills, which is certainly oh. the one that you saw. Um, I thought that was so interesting. He said it had a nest like 200 feet up in this old growth tree. And I was, you know, I mean, we could be, I mean, I remember thinking like, I don't know, man, cause that bark's not that strong or a giant thousand pound plus animal could hold on and not rip the bark out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and of course I'm, I'm wide open to them being in trees. Of course, uh, I don't see why they wouldn't be. We have lots of reports of them right. jumping down from trees. Um, but a big one like that, it'd be, I mean, I'm not trying not to underestimate them of course, but there's a lot of times when there's no branches for 50, 80 feet up in a lot of those trees. Oh, usually. That's what I'm saying. It's so far up on a old growth redwood to get to the lowest branches. I mean, sometimes it's like a hundred feet. So I just, I think it'd be totally obvious where it goes up and down, but he could, um, he also said he knew the rock where it laid out in sunbathed. Oh, remember that? Now, did, do you know where either of these places are? No, I, um, I called him one, I got, we got his number. I called him once or twice and we said we'd go, we were trying to work out a time. And then I called him, I didn't hear anything from him for a while. And I called him back and that phone was disconnected. Yeah, there's not enough hours in the day go, to go out Bigfoot with everybody wants to go. Uh, there was a lot of people saw that old one all within a mile of Johnson Road on Bald, on Bald Hills Road and always within no more than 50 yards from the road. And it would just, they said it was limping along and, you know, all sucked up. And uh, when I had my encounter five nights before Eric was there, I just always had a feeling that for some reason that that was the one that did the, the knock when the big one came from the north, where we saw it later, mm -hmm. north on Johnson's, when, when it came down to where we were, uh, when it came into that tree line, there was a huge power knock from my 2 o'clock when that big one came in from my 9 o'clock. Mm -hmm. I, I just always thought, oh, I bet it was that old shield. I just uh, always, for some reason, thought it was him instead of, you know, that female one had been seen in there, the smaller one. It could have been her as well. Yeah. Which brings up something I think uh, a lot of people overlook. Um, people think of Sasquatches as uh, largely solitary, and that may or may not be true. Don't really know. But um, if they're knocking or calling or vocalizing, uh, I mean, do you really think? It's, I mean, we're we're out there trying to fool them into knocking back. Like, hey, we're a Bigfoot. We're you know, knock back. Uh, if they're answering or doing anything like that, there's well, there's probably another one in the neighborhood. Otherwise, why would it be doing it? I mean, I don't think Bigfoots, you know, humans talk to themselves, but do Bigfoots knock to themselves? I doubt it. Only the crazy ones. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I wonder if they hear knocking in their head when they uh, have mental illnesses. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, my gosh. Somebody came in the shop. This is like three months ago now, but someone came in the shop and said, oh, yeah, my uncle has a picture of a Bigfoot. And I go, oh, really? That'd be great to see. And she pulled it up on her phone or something like that. And it was a still from Letters to the Big Man or Letters from the Big Man or whatever that movie was. And I, and I was looking at it because it's a really good suit. 
that, that's that's one of the best suits in any movie, really. Um, and I was looking at it, I go, God, that looks really familiar. And I had like boobs and the whole thing. And I go, that's that looks really familiar. Then it all clicked. I go, oh, that's that. And I told her, she goes, I don't know. My uncle said he got it. I don't think he, my uncle. And um, they said, well, you know what? Do me a favor. Give me your email address or something like that. And um, I went and found the exact scene in the movie and um and center the the frame for the movie and i got the burst her bubble and so i'm you know got to ruin her little part of her treasured memory of her uncle which cliff loves to do oh my gosh i'm so i'm planning out my presentations we have uh we both have gigs coming up but um yeah. i'm doing squatch fest in a couple of weeks so i'm doing a new presentation for my you know the cliff tour this year and uh i i, I don't know what i'm going to call it yet but it's going to be either i think it's going to be called either cliff burst your bubbles um, or, or what is that TV show? So-and-so ruins everything. Um, oh, is that, Chris. yeah, I think it's going to be like, so yeah, so cliff, cliff ruins everything and you should too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I, love yeah. it. Dude, I, I did get a lot of messages this year. Like Chris really been negative, you know, and I met him and he was rude to me about it. And I'm like, well, he's just sick of hearing stories. You know, yeah, they're just words, you know, well, you know, I'm not sure I would say sick of here in a way I can see how that would be taken as such. But the thing is, um, I've, I've become a larger advocate of the truth. Um, you know, people are not children and they shouldn't be treated as such unless of course they're children. So why not just give it to them straight? You know, like, like if I had cancer and I went to the doctor, the doctor would said, yeah, you know what? You're, you, you've got a little bug. It, that wouldn't be a fair assessment. You know, I'd say, no, doc, you, you give it to me straight. It's like, all right, yeah, you got this. And it, it's going to really do a number on you. Um, and I feel the same way about evidence. Cause I, cause I'm an old, you know, jaded man, you know, with the big footers to get off my lawn now. But when somebody shows me something, you know, I can, I can be polite and say, no, man, that's almost certainly just a play of shadows, almost certainly a play of shadows. And it's just not so sorry. Oh, but, but I, but you know, like uh, whatever it's there. Don't you see it? I see it plain as day. No, I don't see it, but you're being really hopeful about it. And I, that's cool. That's very optimistic of you. We need that kind of attitude in the world today, but no. Right. Yeah. I've been getting a lot of paranoia pictures and, but I did, oh, I didn't tell you or yeah, wait, no, I didn't tell you. I think, I think I left you a message maybe, but I got a uh, contact from the um, relative of a border patrol agent and I got a still photo from a game cam which looks fake to me, but I also got a clip, a thermal clip of a Bigfoot. Uh, can't prove it's a Bigfoot. I mean, it, it's it's very far away. Um, but the plant, it's the type of vegetation in it was supposed to be 10 to 12 feet in height. And this thing was, judging by that, would have been eight and a half to nine and a half feet tall. And Do you see limbs or anything, or is it a blob? Yeah, you see the legs. You see the legs go. And I try to... Th- you know, I tried to send it to you, but I couldn't figure out how to, because it came to me in Facebook message, and my computer's back in the shop again right now, so I don't have a computer right now, which I'm supposed to get it back Friday or Monday. But when I get it back, I was just learning how to pull the, because, um, you know, I suck on the computer. Mm-hmm. I'm learning how to pull that stuff, so I can send it to you. But the video clip, it's got all the official government data, like, um, it's like almost like a military type sure. uh it's got that all embedded in the video. So I got to figure out how to, because I'm not good at that stuff. I got to figure out how to blur out the, the date and all that kind of stuff. So that they cannot, because they, uh, the, the person said that 
they'd be able to identify the agent due to the records, but that uh, two suits came and did interview him about the, cause he turned it, he, he uh, turned it in and said, Hey, this thing's over eight feet tall. We got it on uh, thermal. And supposedly there's a, a picture that goes with it from a game camera and it looks fake to me, but we'll see. I have uh, B Mills is one of the people looking at the photos for me right now. Oh, cool. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing that. That's great. Yeah, when I get my computer back, I'll, I thought I sent you the. Did you get the uh, still photo, the, the one game cam photo? I don't think so. It seems like that would stand out. Um, I don't remember getting any emails from you for a while. Okay. I thought I sent it to you, but maybe, maybe it didn't go through or something. But, anyways. Yeah, that was that was interesting, and um, supposed to get some more uh, photos from some people here. They say they've got old game cam photos, but then, you know, people tell you like, "I got the best footage ever. I got the best pictures ever." And you're like, "What the hell is this?" Yeah, yeah. You know, what did fool me though recently. Well, it didn't fool me, but I mean, I it I didn't dismiss it right away. I thought I thought it very well could be real. Was that Banff video? Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. That thing is standing in the trees and, you know, but it, that could be legit, but is there enough information to even tell? Well, the, guy got, the guy got caught hoaxing the year before. With a very oh. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. I, I, I did see that was making the, making the rounds, but I didn't think that there was anything much to say about it. Because a piece of fur in a tree just frankly isn't good enough. No, but the the uh, rib bones and the spine or some yeah. kind of unglit in the tree yeah. next to it, and then what appeared to be a young one grabbing the out of the leg. Yeah, man. I don't know if it's not if it's not more obvious than it was. It kind of doesn't matter, you know. Uh, I had to tell well, somebody to shop that today. Actually, uh, this guy has a photograph of what he says is a Sasquatch down by. Um, where is that? Uh, Detroit Lake, and uh, and I looked at it. And it's like it could, it, maybe it's a Bigfoot, but it, but I would say chances are it's probably something else, just you know, statistically speaking. But um, yeah, sure, maybe it's a Bigfoot. There's no way to tell, and you know that that's the truth of the vast majority of pictures because dumb old Roger and Bob, you know, stupid sexy Roger and Bob, got you know the bar set so high so early on. If it doesn't approach that level, what good is it? Exactly. Beyond just mild curiosity, you know. I mean, but when it's someone we know, like Bart, or someone you know that got footage, and we we know they're for real, like they're not BSing us. We we can learn something from the behavior of watching the videos, since we know they're real. But for a skeptic scientist or something like that, or just the everyday person that doesn't think they're real, they'd get no value out of it whatsoever. Right. Right. Yeah, because they don't know these people, and they don't know the character and all that other stuff. Why would they, you know, and why would we expect them to? Um, exactly. It's good to get out of your subjective experience sometimes and look at things empirically. Like, like, you know what? They don't know me from Adam. Why would they believe me? And uh, that's the level of evidence that, frankly, we all need to try to obtain where you don't need to know. You don't necessarily need to know the context or the people involved. That always helps. That, that'll add to 
the um, the the veracity of the of the evidence, you know, that add to the authenticity of it all. But if you have something like a footprint cast, you can give it to somebody and don't tell them where it came from, and they would still be able to see things in it um, if they, if they had the knowledge about you know. The foot structure, for example, I could bring any of these cats to a podiatrist and they would have something to say about it. Um, same is true of the Patterson-Gimlin film, that if you are familiar with uh, anatomy and the muscle groups and, you know, movement of large animals, you would have something to say about it without knowing anything about Roger or Bob. That's where we all need to be aiming at this point, I think, for evidence. I agree. I agree. Yeah, Cliff, you sent me that photo this week of what could be a knuckle print. Did you find anything else out when you cast it? Yeah, you know what? Um, I actually opted against casting it because when I got there and started investigating the scene, there were deer prints in the area. So what I believe I was looking at was uh, a, a composite of a number of deer prints because that was the only other thing in the area, like immediate area within 10 feet of it. So I'm inclined to think that that's what it was. And it was in pea gravel and stuff like that. It would have made a terrible cast of what I think are deer prints, unfortunately. So I didn't cast that. But, um, you know, to back up a little bit to tell everybody what's been going on, actually, it's been a very active week for me in general. Uh, starting at last Saturday, and for anybody listening, we're recording this on a Thursday night. Um, God, was it last Saturday? It was. Yeah, last Saturday, actually thinking about it. It was, must have been a magical day somehow, you know. Um, yeah, so that was on the 4th, January 4th. All sorts of stuff happened, and it's only now just kind of coming all together for me. The first thing that happened is that I get a, a text from this guy I know that lives up on Lolo Pass Road. Now, um, Lolo Pass Road is um, on the way to Mount Hood. It's actually much – it's 1,500, 1,700-foot elevation. It's higher than where I am, so it's a lot closer to the mountain than me. It takes about 20 minutes for me to drive up in there. And uh, it goes up to Lost Lake, um, which is right above Bull Run Watershed. And there's been a slew of sightings up there. Um, Mike Leone, our, our good friend Mike Leone, he saw one of these things up there on that road. There's been a handful of other reports. On June 29th in uh, 2019, a gentleman who comes in the shop saw Sasquatch um, there at this place up there on Lolo Pass Road in these campground areas. Um, just really active. Um, so this guy calls me and says, hey, uh, my girlfriend found this in the ground and sends me a really nice picture of what looks like a footprint. They go, oh, man. So I text him back, hey, can, when can I get out there? Um, he goes, oh, tonight or tomorrow. And I look at the weather, and it's supposed to start dumping in a couple hours, and it's, this is on Saturday night. I said, oh, man, okay, well, I better get out there tonight, right? So I pack, I throw all my stuff in the car, you know, plaster, you know, scale item. I got my therm. I got my night vision. And I, I, I haul ass up there like at 10 o'clock at night, 1020 at night or something because, you know, these things can't wait, frankly. Um so I get up there and he takes me out on the trail and it's right, it's in sand, it's right next to the Sandy River. And it, I get there and I'm looking at it. And um, I eventually determined that first I thought, actually, at first I thought, oh, that's, that's not a, that's not a big footprint. Like it looked like in the picture. Cause it was like in moss, you know, you know how like uh, on river banks, uh, very often a thin layer of moss grows over the sand. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, I was looking at it, and, and in the picture, there are demarcations in the moss that suggested a heel and an outline of a foot with these toe impressions, like five toes in front. But when I got there, it turns out that the, 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 what I thought was a heel and the outside of the foot was just – they were just due to lines in the moss. But the toes looked 
okay. But when I looked at it, they weren't rounded toes. They were actually kind of V-shaped impressions. So I looked more closely and I, at first I thought it was a deer, you know, scraping through the moss, maybe trying to get at some minerals or something under the moss. But then the more I looked at it, the more I realized it was actually a bear doing that same thing. Maybe not going after minerals, but going after bugs or whatever there was, it was doing, you know, because when I looked at the context of the area, there were a number of these um, patches of moss that had similar claw marks near them that had been turned over. And these moss patches were perhaps 10 inches by six inches or eight inches by, you know, nine inches and all that sort of stuff, like, like a front bear paw, basically. So, uh, so unfortunately that turned out to be nothing. So fast forward a bit. So I, I go home, we walk around a bit. I go home. It's no big deal. And I don't mind, you know, this guy's apologizing to me for bringing them, bringing me out. But I'm thinking, why would you apologize? I'm, you have to chase down a hundred of these to get one good thing. And I got one more bad one out of the way. This is great. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Bigfoot and Beyond. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes. Subscribe to Bigfoot and Beyond wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Bigfoot and Beyond Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Bigfoot and Beyond, that's an N in the middle, and tweet us your thoughts and questions with the hashtag Bigfoot and Beyond. Thank you.